0: You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, grab that and let's go to the book of Proverbs together. Proverbs chapter 4 is where we'll begin our time together this morning. Uh, But before you stand and before we look at the passage, I do have uh, an announcement for you this morning. And you know it's going to be a big announcement when we put out an announcement about the announcement. So if you follow us on social media, you know we did this this week. We said, big announcement coming on Sunday. And it really is. This is a monumental day for Faith Church. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're joining us online. For over a year now, our leadership team has been hard at work praying, brainstorming, working on a master plan for our campus here at Faith Church. Uh, We've been thinking and dreaming together about how we might reconfigure and retool our campus to maximize our missional potential for every year we've been working on this. This past Tuesday night our leaders gathered and we made a unanimous decision to move forward with phase one of that master facility plan which has many elements but the first element is going to be finishing our preschool building. So for those of you who don't know this, we have a a preschool here at Faith Church, and the newest building on our campus is our preschool building, which was constructed over a decade ago. But what you might not know is that though that's our newest building, and we still refer to it as the new preschool building. Ten years ago, more than ten years ago, we built it. It was only half finished. So for over a decade, half of our preschool building has been sitting empty, or it's been just collecting our clutter. Well, by God's grace, by God's power and provision, no more. We are moving forward. Unanimously, our leaders decided this. We are moving forward with finishing that building, furnishing that building, and by God's grace, filling it with children from our community. Praise God, right? Amen? Yeah? You will be hearing many, many more details about this and all the details of phase one. We plan to call a special gospel partner meeting for early summer. You will also have an opportunity to give a special offering to help us with phase one, to help bring all of this to fruition. Listen, this is a huge step of faith. This is a huge step of faith, and we cannot do this without you. So even though you're not even getting all the details yet, and we're going to have a meeting over the summer, now is already the time to start praying to start asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, how might I and my family, how might we contribute to this project and ultimately contribute to taking the gospel to our community? That's what Faith Church is all about. We say it all the time. We exist for the good of our city and for the good of the world. I believe we have people in Faith Church who could give an extra $1,000, $5,000, $50,000. I really believe that. So start praying now and asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? How can we contribute to this project? How can we contribute to the next generation to reach more and more families and young children with the good news of Jesus Christ? So start praying, and I hope you're as excited as I am. I'm expecting God to do some great things at Faith Church in the near future, and I'm excited that we get to be a part of it together. So keep praying, and more details to come. Now, with that said, if you're willing and able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? We're going to look at the book of Proverbs this morning. And I want to read chapter 4, verses 25 to 27 to get us started. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left... Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So we've just started this new series, going through the book of Proverbs together. Proverbs is a collection of these short, pithy sayings authored largely by Solomon, a man known for his unparalleled wisdom. God appeared to Solomon in a dream one night and he said, Solomon, ask for whatever you want and I will give it to you. And Solomon didn't ask for the destruction of his enemies. He didn't ask for a long and prosperous life or great wealth. He actually asked God for great wisdom. And God blessed him with great wisdom. God gave wisdom to Solomon. And now through Solomon, that same wisdom can come to us if we will meditate on his teaching, apply his teaching. But what really is wisdom? Well, we've said that wisdom is more than knowledge. The wise person not only knows, but lives. Wisdom is more than brains. Wisdom is building a house on a firm foundation. It's building, constructing a life that is pleasing to God. If we take the 900 or so verses of Proverbs... And we organize them into large buckets, as it were. We can come up with this list of defining marks of the wise person. And we looked last week at the very first one as we talked about becoming wise. We learned last week that the wise person fears the Lord. Today, we'll see that the wise person welcomes good counsel, welcomes good counsel. When I'm seeking to assess a person's leadership potential, one of the first things I look for is their followership patterns. That's how I know if a person is going to be a good leader or not. Their leadership potential is is determined largely by their followership patterns. I often say, if you're not willing to follow, you're not ready to lead. If you're not willing to follow, you're not ready to lead. Proverbs will teach us, that one of the defining marks of the truly wise person is a willingness, an eagerness really, to be instructed. To follow, to follow biblical instruction. This perpetual openness of heart, of life, this perpetual openness to good and godly counsel. So that's where we're going today. What does it mean to be open to good counsel? I want us to think about this in three terms, in three ways. First, we're going to talk about being teachable. That's kind of the general principle we'll discover together. Be teachable. But then there are two specific applications of this. To be wise, you have to be teachable, but you must also flee a certain type of person, which Proverbs will call the fool. And then you need to walk with the wise, listen to the wise. So that's the path we're traveling together. Be teachable, flee the fool, walk with the wise, listen to the wise learn everything you can from them let's start with the general principle be teachable several examples from the book of proverbs that i want us to see together proverbs will not let us forget the danger of pride be teachable is another way of saying be humble pursue humility avoid the danger of pride look at these Chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. That's strong. Chapter 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Chapter 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. Destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. On the other hand, humility comes before honor. You want to be honored? You want to be respected in life? Humility. That's the path. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Proverbs will not let us forget about the danger of pride. Again and again and again it comes up. Now why such harsh language? Why such... Such strong terms. Hatred. Pride leads to disgrace. Pride leads to destruction. Why is it such a dangerous thing? Because pride is sort of like the opposite of the fear of the Lord. And we learned last week that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's how it all begins. It's the doorway and the pathway to wisdom. The fear of the Lord. And pride is the opposite of that. Think back to what the fear of the Lord means... It's awe and wonder, love and humility, trust and submission, affectionate reverence. The fear of the Lord is the bowing of the life before God. The prideful person says, I will bow to no one, no one but myself. The prideful person says, my way is best. My words are true, revere me, listen to me, follow me, focus on me. C.S. Lewis famously referred to pride as the anti-God state of mind. Probably no one has helped me better understand the dangers of pride. No one more than C.S. Lewis. I want you to hear a couple of things that he says. This is sort of a collection of his thoughts on the subject of pride. Some of this comes from his classic work, Mere Christianity, which many of you have read. Some of this comes from his letters that he wrote to various people throughout his life. But if we piece all this together, we piece all of his thoughts on pride together, I think this really pierces the heart. It certainly pierces mine. Listen to what Lewis says. There is one vice, one vice, of which no person in the world is free which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. The essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, all that, they are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice... It is the complete anti-God state of mind. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down, down on things, down on people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. The pleasure of pride is the pleasure of scratching. If there is an itch, one does want to scratch, but it's much nicer to have neither the itch nor the scratch. As long as we have the itch of self-regard, we shall want the pleasure of self-approval. But the happiest moments in life, the happiest moments in life are those when we forget our precious selves. And have neither the itch nor the scratch. But have everything else. God, our fellow humans, animals, the garden, the sky, everything else instead. The prideful person, Lewis says, and he's right. The prideful person is curved in on himself. Focused on herself. Always looking down. Never, therefore, able to look up and see God for who he truly is, the center of the universe, the creator of all. This is why pride is so dangerous. Lewis is also right when he says that pride is like a cancer, a spiritual cancer. And sometimes you can have a cancer without knowing that you have it. Is there a way for us to know if pride is manifesting itself in our lives thankfully proverbs not only warns us about the dangers of pride it does a biopsy of sorts an analysis of the soul and it tells us what the prideful soul looks like and in proverbs though there's so much we could talk about there are two marks of the prideful soul that surface again and again and again i want you to see them the first one is the prideful soul is quick to vent His or her own opinion and preferences. The prideful soul is slow to hear from God, slow to hear from others, very quick to vent, to express his or her own opinions. My way is best. I have the answer to the question all of you have been asking. You never have to wonder what a prideful person thinks because they're going to tell you. Prideful people lead with assertions and statements. They very rarely ask questions. They don't need to ask questions because they already have the answers, or so they think. Do you understand that we should not, you should not, I should not, we should not share everything we think. There is such a thing as exercising the ministry of holding your tongue. If you have no unarticulated opinions, chances are you're a prideful soul. If you have no unarticulated opinions, if people know what you think about everything, chances are you're a prideful soul. This is one of the marks that Proverbs gives us. Now, here's the second one. The prideful soul is slow to receive correction, slow to confess failures, slow to change course. We're going to come back to this one. I just want to state it now, and I want you to think about it for a moment. At the end of our time, we'll look at some very specific Proverbs that talk about this very point. But for now, ask yourself, how do I receive correction from others? Do I tend to get very defensive? Do I tend to make excuses? Or do I receive the truth, the light that they're bringing to me? Not one of us knows everything, none of us. You don't, I don't. We do not know everything. We should be teachable. Now, does this mean, however, that we should listen to everyone? No. The book of Proverbs also teaches us that there are different types of people, and these types of people demand different responses. So be teachable, but also understand that we must flee the fool Look again at that verse we read before, Proverbs 4:26. This would make a great tattoo. Maybe even a tattoo on your feet. Just look at it. It's a it's a profound statement. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder the path of your feet. One of the most wonderful insights that Proverbs gives us is this one. We are never truly static in life. We're always taking strides. We're always on the move. Every decision you make, every thought that enters your mind, every conversation you have at work, at home, wherever you go, we're never static. We're always taking strides on the move, either toward God or away from Him, toward wisdom or toward what Proverbs will call folly. And Proverbs also wants us to understand that not only are we always on the move, but the people we befriend contribute to our movement. Again, either toward God or away from Him. You remember last week when we looked at the Wisdom Pyramid? Brett McCracken's Wisdom Pyramid? I want to come back to it for just a second. As we look at this Wisdom Pyramid, the different sources of wisdom in the world, one of the things we notice is that people play a vital role in many of these levels of the pyramid. People gather in the church. There were people in the worship center this morning. There were people in your connection group at 9 o'clock. People write books. People create works of art. People post things online. So a key question is, how do I decide which people I should listen to, learn from, imitate? How do I decide the wise people and the foolish people. We need to exercise discernment. And once we've identified someone as a foolish person, Proverbs is very clear about what we should do. We should leave the presence of a fool. Flee the fool. Don't hang out with them. Because they will influence us. They will impact us. You will be changed by the people you befriend. Not you might be changed. You will be changed, according to Proverbs, by the people you befriend. And that's why again and again Solomon will tell us, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. You'll find no wisdom there. You'll find no knowledge there. You'll find nothing that benefits your life there. So flee it. And similarly, make no friendship with a man given to anger... Nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways. Don't hang out with a hot-headed fool. Why not? Because his hot-headed habits will show up in your life. Lest you learn his ways. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you can hang with foolish people and not become like them. You're always on the move. You're never static. Every decision, every word, every conversation, every action always on the move, and the people you befriend will contribute to your movement, either toward God, toward wisdom, or away from God, toward folly. So pause for a moment and search your heart in your life, and ask yourself, where am I asking fools to influence me? Maybe it's a group of people at work, in your school, that you have befriended, and in your heart you know you shouldn't. You know that these are not the types of people that are moving you toward God. Maybe it's certain sources, books that you're reading, or sources online, sites that you frequent, and you know in your heart these are not sites that are contributing to wisdom. They are not helping me grow in the wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Or maybe it's your On-demand viewing habits. It's the stuff you're watching at night. Just letting those waves wash over you. And you've convinced yourself that it's not really going to impact you. And Proverbs says you're lying to yourself. Because those are some people you've befriended. And they're going to influence you. If you hang out with fools, you will grow in folly. And that's why Proverbs calls us, very matter-of-factly, to flee the fool. Flee the fool. I keep wanting to say, pity the fool. Anybody have that reference coming to their head this morning? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Just to lighten it up a bit. All right, so flee the fool. And then here's the third point of the day. Walk with the wise. We need to be teachable. We need to pursue humility by the grace of God. That means we all have things to learn, but we don't want to learn from everybody There should be people that you're not learning from. You're avoiding them. You're fleeing them. But there are definitely people that we can and should learn from. And Proverbs calls them the wise. Chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You want to grow in wisdom? You want to grow in fear of the Lord? This is how you do it. You find some wise people and you walk with them. Now, this is important. How do you identify someone who's wise? How do you know? If I'm in a big, huge crowd of people, I can pick out with precision the CrossFitters from that crowd. You know how I do it? Their shoes. I can always tell by their shoes. And Jamie doubts my confidence, but we'll be in a crowd of thousands of people at Disney World. And I'll say, Hey babe, that guy over there, you see him? He's a CrossFitter. And she'll say, How do you know? His shoes. It's a dead giveaway. Now, how do we know the wise? It's not their shoes. How do we spot them, though? This is important. If you're going to follow somebody, if you're going to walk with somebody, they better be wise. So much we could say, but let's start with this. The fear of the Lord. If it is the beginning of wisdom, and it is, then it is the place to begin. The first criterion when we're trying to discern and determine if someone is wise. So what then is that fear of the Lord? Let's talk about it again. It's awe and wonder. It's love and humility. And trust and submission. And affectionate reverence toward God. It's the bowing of the life before God. So if you want to know if someone is wise, the first question to ask is, to whom or to what does that person bow? Does he bow to money Does she bow to popularity? Or is this a person who fears the Lord? Who is bowing life to God? That's how we know wisdom when we see it. And when we see it, we should walk with it. We should gather around these wise people and learn everything we can from their their actions. The way they make decisions. Does he take the higher paying job? Or does he take the lower paying job with greater flexibility so he can be more present with his family? How does she discipline her children? What sort of boundaries do they set in their home? How does she handle conflict? Is she hot tempered, hot headed, or does she respond with a disarming gentleness? We walk with the wise, we learn everything we can from them, but also we give them access to our lives. Do you see that here in these verses? That's what these last two verses that I've put on screen are all about. We're giving the wise people in our lives access to our life. Proverbs says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Furthermore, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now the wounds of the friend here, of the true friend are words that hurt. They're painful words, but they're necessary words because they lead to our healing, to our growth. You see, when you identify wise people, when you find them and you walk with them, they will see things in your life that you don't see. They'll see things in my life that I don't see. And they'll be in a position to speak into our lives if we'll allow it. They will have not only instruction, but at times correction for us. And we will grow in wisdom. We will dwell with the wise if we will receive that correction. This is how we demonstrate that we are teachable. It's how we demonstrate that we are not eaten up with the spiritual cancer of pride. We receive this correction. The simplest way I can put it is like this. The wise person hears truth, adjusts life, and moves forward in wisdom. The fool, on the other hand, hears truth, adjusts truth, makes excuses. Oh, no, that's not what you see in me. Oh, no, that's not the case. Adjusts truth and therefore moves backward in folly. So which are you? It's back to that question I asked you to consider earlier. When a brother or sister in Christ comes to you, and they say, friend, listen, I love you. I love you. And I'm not saying this to you as someone who has never made the same mistake, but I want to talk about something that I see. And you might not be aware of this, but I'm telling you because I love you, because I want God's best for your life, and I fear you're going down a dangerous path. Let's pray and let's talk together. When they come to you with that sort of a spirit, a humble spirit, and I've been their spirit, when they come to you like that, are you defensive? Do you adjust truth and make excuses and put up your shields? Or are you quick to say, thank you. You're a true friend. I needed that. You're right. And I need to make some adjustments. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. We need directness with each other and gentleness. Now, most of us, if we're honest, we have one or the other. Right? You're either very direct or you're very gentle. We need both. And you know who does both perfectly? Jesus. And every time we pick up these elements, like we're about to do now, we are listening to Jesus As he is perfectly direct and perfectly gentle. As he says to each and every one of us with directness, you have failed. You have failed me, he says. You have failed others in your life. You are a sinner. And we're listening to Jesus with his perfect gentleness as he also says, but by my blood... Because of my sacrifice, in your place for your sins, by grace, through faith, you are forgiven. You see that? With perfect directness, perfect gentleness. Jesus both confronts sin and he comforts us with the hope of the gospel. And that's what we get to celebrate together every time we hold these elements in our hands. I want to pray. And then we're going to enjoy this feast of forgiveness together. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who is perfect. Perfect. And we are not. We are sinners saved by your grace. We look to you, Lord Jesus, confessing our sins this morning, confessing our pride we have not always been teachable. There have been so many times where we have thought that our way was best. We've been slow to listen to you, God, slow to listen to others, quick to vent. Here's what I think. Here's what I want to do. I know best. Oh, God, forgive us. Thank you, Jesus, for your humility, giving up your place in heaven, coming to this earth, laying down your life for us. Oh, This is true greatness, the path of honor, the path of exaltation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin all our sins past, present, and future it is available because of what you have done. You are our hope. You are our salvation. We celebrate that today in Jesus' name, amen. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you are a member of Faith Church or not, we invite you to grab these elements and whenever you are ready to celebrate communion with us. On the night our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he said, this is my body which is for you, for you, do this in remembrance of me, the same way he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes again. Church, that is the good news of the gospel. Jesus died and was raised for you and for me. And Jesus will return to complete his good plan for the world. Amen? Amen. Celebrate with us.